Part 7 of The Blue Review, Volume 1, Issue 2, edited by John Middleton Murray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Epilogue 2 by Catherine Mansfield I met a young virgin, who sadly did moan. There is a very unctuous and irritating English proverb to the effect that every cloud has a silver lining. What comfort can it be to one steep to the eyebrows in clouds, to ponder over their linings? And what an unpleasant picture-postcard seal it sets upon one's tragedy, turning it into a little halfpenny monstrosity, with a moon in the left-hand corner, like a vain glorious threepenny bit. Nevertheless, like most unctuous and irritating things, it is true. My lining woke me after my first night at the Pension Sugain, and showed me over the feather bolster a room as bright with sunlight as if every golden-haired baby in heaven were pelting the earth with buttercup poses. But a charming fancy, I thought. How much prettier than the proverb! It sounds like a day in the country with Catherine Tynan. And I saw a little picture of myself and Catherine Tynan being handed glasses of milk by a red-faced woman with an immensely fat apron while we discussed the direct truth of proverbs as opposed to the fallacy of playful babies. But in such a case imaginary, I was ranged on the side of the proverbs. "'There's a lot of sound sense in them, said that coarse being. "'I admire the way they put their collective foot down upon the female attempt to embroider everything. "'The picture goes to the well till it breaks, and so good.' Not even a loophole for a set of verses to a broken picture. No possible chance of the well being one of those symbolic founts to which all hearts in the forms of pictures are carried. The only proverb I disapprove of, went on this impossible creature, pulling a spring onion from the garden bed and chewing on it, is the one about a bird in the hand. I naturally prefer birds in bushes. But, said Catherine Tynan, tender and brooding as she lifted a little green fly from her milk-glass. But if you were St. Francis, the bird would not mind being in your hand. It would prefer the white nest of your fingers to any bush. I jumped out of bed and ran over to the window, and opened it wide and leaned out. Down below in the avenue a wind shook and swung the trees. The scent of leaves was on the lifting air. The houses lining the avenue were small and white, charming, chaste-looking little houses, showing glimpses of lace and knots of ribbon, for all the world like country children in a row, about to play nuts and may. I began to imagine an adorable little creature named Yvette, who lived in one and all of these houses. She spent her morning in a white lace boudoir cap, worked with daisies, sipping chocolate from a Sèvres cup with one hand, while the faithful attendant polishes the little pink nails of the other. She spends the afternoon in her tiny and white gold boudoir, curled up, a Persian kitten on her lap, while her ardent, beautiful lover leans over the back of the sofa, kissing and kissing again that thrice-fascinating dimple on her left shoulder. When one of the balcony windows opened, and a stout servant swaggered out with her arms full of rugs and carpet strips. With a gesture expressing fury and disgust, she flung them over the railing, disappeared, reappeared again with a long-handled cane broom, 
and fell upon the wretched rugs and carpets. Bang! Whack! Whack! Bang! Their feeble, pitiful jigging inflamed her to ever greater effort. Clouds of dust flew up around her, and when one little rug escaped and flopped down to the avenue below, like a fish, she leaned over the balcony, shaking her fist and the broom at it. Lured by the noise, an old gentleman came to a window opposite, and cast an eye of approval upon the industrious girl, and yawned in the face of the lovely day. There was an air of detachment and deliberation about the way he carefully felt over the muscles of his arms and legs, pressed his throat, coughed, and shot a jet of spittle out of the window. Nobody seemed more surprised at this last feat than he. He seemed to regard it as a small triumph in its way, buttoning his immense stomach into a white piquet waistcoat, with every appearance of satisfaction. Away flew my charming Yvette, in a black-and-white check dress, an alpaca apron, and a market-basket over her arm. I dressed, ate a roll, and drank some tepid coffee, feeling very sobered. I thought how true it was that the world was a delightful place if it were not for people, and how more than true it was that people were not worth troubling about, and that wise men should set their affections upon nothing smaller than cities, heavenly or otherwise and countrysides which are always heavenly with these reflections both pious and smug i put on my hat groped my way along the dark passage and ran down the five flights of stairs into the rue saint leger there was a garden on the opposite side of the street through which one walked to the university and the more pretentious avenues fronting the place du theatre although autumn was well advanced not a leaf had fallen from the trees. The little shrubs and bushes were touched with pink and crimson, and against the blue sky the trees stood sheathed in gold. On stone benches, nursemaids in white cloaks and stiff white caps chattered and wagged their heads like a company of cockatoos, and up and down in the sun some genteel babies bowled hoops with a delicate air. What peculiar pleasure it is to wander through a strange city, and amuse oneself as a child does, playing a solitary game. Pardon, madame, mais voulez-vous? And then the voice faltered, and cried my name, as though I had been given up for lost times without number, as though I had been drowned in foreign seas, and burnt in American hotel fires, and buried in a hundred lonely graves. What on earth are you doing here? Before me, not a day changed, not a hairpin altered, stood Violet Burton. I was flattered beyond a measure at this enthusiasm, and pressed her cold, strong hand, and said, "'Extraordinary! But what are you here for?' "'Nerves! Oh, impossible! I really can't believe that!' "'It is perfectly true,' I said, my enthusiasm waning. There is nothing more annoying to a woman than to be suspected of nerves of iron." "'Well, you certainly don't look it,' said she, scrutinising me with that direct English frankness that makes one feel as though sitting in the glare of a window at breakfast-time. "'What are you here for?' I said, smiling graciously to soften the glare. At that she turned and looked across the lawns, and fidgeted with her umbrella like a provincial actress about to make a confession. "'I?' 
in a quite affected voice i came here to forget but facing me again and smiling energetically don't let's talk about that not yet i can't explain not until i know you all over again very solemnly not until i am sure you are to be trusted oh don't trust me violet i cried i'm not to be trusted i wouldn't if i were you she frowned and stared what a terrible thing to say you can't be in earnest yes i am there's nothing i adore talking about so much as another person's secret to my surprise she came to my side and put her arm through mine thank you she said gratefully i think it's awfully good of you to take me into your confidence like that awfully and even if it were true but no it can't be true otherwise you wouldn't have told me i mean it can't be psychologically true of the same nature to be frank and dishonourable at the same time can it but then i don't know i suppose it is possible don't you find that the russian novelists have made an upheaval of all your conclusions we walked bras dessus bras dessous down the sunny path let's sit down said violet there's a fountain quite near this bench i often come here you can hear it all the time the faint noise of the water sounded like a half-forgotten tune half sly half laughing isn't it wonderful breathed violet like weeping in the night oh violet said i terrified at this turn wonderful things don't weep in the night they sleep like tops and know nothing more till again it is day she put her arm over the back of the bench and crossed her legs why do you persist in denying your emotions why are you ashamed of them she demanded i'm not but i keep them tucked away and only produce them very occasionally like special little pots of jam when the people whom i love come to tea there you are again emotions and jam now i'm absolutely different i live on mine sometimes i wish i didn't then again i would rather suffer through them suffer intensely i mean go down into the depths with them for the sake of that wonderful upward swing on to the pinnacles of happiness she edged nearer to me i wish i could think where i get my nature from she said father and mother are absolutely different i mean they're quite normal quite commonplace i shook my head and raised my eyebrows but it's no use fighting it it has beaten me absolutely one and for all a pause inadequately filled by the sly laughing water now said violet impressively you know what i meant when i said i came here to forget but i assure you i don't violet how can you expect me to be so subtle i quite understand that you don't wish to tell me until you know me better quite she opened her eyes and her mouth i have told you i mean not straight out not in so many words but then how could i but when i told you of my emotional nature and that i had been in the depths and swept up to the pinnacles surely surely you realised that i was telling you symbolically what else can you have thought no young girl ever performs such gymnastic feats by herself yet in my experience i have always imagined that the depths followed the pinnacles i ventured to suggest so they do said violet gloomily 
you see them if you look before and after like the people in shelley's skylark said i violets looked vague and i repented but i did not know how to sympathise and i had no idea of the relative sizes it was in the summer said violet i had been most frightfully depressed i don't know what it was for one thing i felt as though i could not make up my mind to anything i felt so terribly useless that i had no place in the scheme of things and worst of all nobody who understood me it may have been what i was reading at the time but i don't think not entirely still one never knows does one and then i met mr farr at a dance oh call him by his christian name violet you can't go on telling me about mr farr and you on the heights i unearth not very well i met arthur i think i must have been mad that evening for one thing there had been a bother about going mother didn't want me to because she said there wouldn't be anybody to see me home and i was frightfully keen i must have had a presentiment i think do you believe in presentiments i don't know we can't be certain can we anyhow i went and he was there she turned a deep scarlet and bit her lip oh i really began to like violet burton to like her very much indeed go on i said we danced together seven times and we talked the whole time the music was very slow we talked of everything you know about books and theatres and all that sort of thing at first and then about our souls what i said our souls he understood me absolutely and after the seventh dance no i must tell you the first thing he ever said to me he said do you believe in pan quite quietly just like that and then he said i knew you did wasn't that extraordinary after the seventh dance we sat out on the landing and shall i go on yes go on he said i think i must be mad i want to kiss you and i let him do go on i simply can't tell you what i felt like fancy i'd never kissed out of the family before i mean of course never a man and then he said i must tell you i am engaged well what else is there of course i simply rushed upstairs and tumbled everything over in the dressing-room and found my coat and went home and next morning i made mother let me come here i thought said violet i thought i would have died of shame is that all i cried you can't mean to say that's all what else could there be what on earth did you expect how extraordinary you are staring at me like that and in the long pause i heard again the little fountain half sly half laughing at me i thought not at violet end of part seven